0: Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. Are we recording? Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I am here today with uh, Austin Farenthold, our Director of Advancement.
1: Good morning, folks, or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this.
0: And Anthony Ferguson, who is a resident seminarian. And of course, myself, Ken White, Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry.
2: The Great White.
0: That's true, and that name is actually getting out. The CNU students, shout out to those awesome persons that are listening to our podcast from CNU, but they uh, somehow found out about my nickname from college, which was The Great White.
2: How did they do that? Did they look you up on Google
0: or something? I don't know, because the picture that it's associated with is on Facebook somewhere, but I can't imagine they found it.
1: I think it's probably more that you cut all your hair off, and you look more like a shark. So it kind of came naturally that you are I don't like a great
0: white shark. I, I don't think sharks have beards, though, and I still have my beard. So anyway, beards aside, uh, I wanted to chat with you guys a little bit today about what many refer to as the mountaintop experience.
2: Mountains.
0: Yeah, mountains. Mountains again, Gandalf. Mountains. There's a great scene in Lord of the Rings about that. Um Anyway, what do you guys, with mountaintop experience, what what comes to your mind when you hear that phrase? Um, I mean, mountaintop
1: experience, I guess in terms of the religious life or spiritual life, I think of a retreat. Um, Like, in in particular, the mountaintop experience being associated with the transfiguration uh, that Jesus Christ brought three disciples up who Peter, John, and James— They went to the top of the mountain, and they had this experience of Christ glorified. Uh, So when I hear mountaintop experience, that's the first thing that comes to my mind.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, and what's—the fact that you brought up the mountaintop of transfiguration is absolutely key. And the mountains in general sort of appear a lot throughout the Bible at key moments of the biblical narrative. How about you, Anthony? What do you think of
2: Uh, For me, when I think of like a mountaintop experience in prayer, it's like this overwhelming, like uh, incredible sense of God's like very, very close presence to us um, where like kind of reality gets peeled back and you, you just realize what was always there at every moment in your life, but you just don't notice it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually I like that idea of that image you give of reality being peeled back, but even in maybe a deeper way, Bishop Barron talks about, Uh, a mystical experience. And he talks about that being uh, to quote uh, spiritual, the experience of spiritual things within the ordinary um, or in and through the ordinary and a keen conviction that spiritual reality is greater and more beautiful than the ordinary. So it's not, not entirely a peeling back, so to speak, but almost a deeper look um, because it's in and through the ordinary, that the spiritual things are are, reveal, are revealed, right? I mean, does that when make you sense? Say,
1: when you say deeper look, are you, can you kind of explain that a little bit more? What do you mean a deeper look into things?
0: I guess seeing things as they truly are. Because can we really separate the natural from the spiritual order of things?
2: When you read that Bishop Barron quote about like <clears throat> seeing things as they really are and just – Realizing that, that the spiritual realities that, that God and the angels and the heavenly realm and all of like just the, the heavenly worship and all that is more real than like our material world that I, I think of um, C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, where uh, where they visit heaven and where these like ghosts from purgatory or hell or wherever uh, go and visit heaven. And they realize that that heaven is just so much more real than than where they had just been. So everything's like, so the grass is like hard to walk on and they can actually physically walk on water. And, uh, you know, everybody like the saints just are buff and like shining and just beautiful and everything's just more real.
0: Yeah. Did you have a thought, Austin? Well, I was, I was
1: wondering, um, you know, I think it can be easy to get a little intimidated by the idea of mystical, you know, when you say a mystical experience with God, uh, the first thing that, that usually jumps to my mind are these great and wonderful saints, you know, St. Dominic, um, St. Faustina, those people who have Jesus or Mary showing up in front of them uh, and having a conversation with them. Or my one of my good friends, good heavenly friends, St. Padre Pio, you know, a great mystic where Jesus comes down, and is talking with them. Um, so maybe we can break that open a little bit uh, for... Our listeners and for ourselves, as to kind of understanding what is that mystical experience Bishop Barron was talking about, and is that something for all of us? Or is you
0: know, yeah, no, I think that's good. And sort of drawing back to that phrase, mountaintop experience. in In youth ministry, we we refer to that as sort of when when we go on these big retreats, maybe like to Steubenville, for instance, Steubenville, Atlanta, and the teenagers go and they have this incredible time, not just amazing time with friends, but they actually encounter Christ in a really uh, deep spiritual way during the retreat. And we refer to that sort of mountaintop experience as that, that experience of Christ throughout that retreat and that joy. And then usually what we're talking about, what I try to chat with the teens about is when you're coming sort of away from the retreat what do we do now that we've had this beautiful experience that unfortunately and we can talk about this more we we can't grasp or hold on to it's a gift that's given to us so i guess breaking it down to to that level it would be uh, an ex an experience of christ an encounter with him mystical experience is what you're talking about yeah or, yeah, yeah. And yes, there are the mystics like Padre Pio experiencing incredible visions or or capabilities to to pray by by location and all of that. And but I'm talking about sort of the ordinary that each of us can encounter Christ in a mystical way. So sort of bringing that word mystical and making it a little less <laughs> mystical.
2: You you know what I'm saying? I, I think what we're driving at is 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 visible in reading the uh transfiguration account itself so like uh you know if you remember they go up peter james and john go up the mountain they see jesus transfigured before them he's like brighter than any light that they've ever seen and then all of a sudden moses and elijah show up and they're just having this unbelievable experience at the top of the mountain and they just can't even believe it and peter says we need to build tents and stay here and i don't know start a new temple on this mountain because it's just so like radiant and beautiful um and then, and then, like, the voice from heaven comes and says, this is my beloved son. So, like, God the Father is drawing all attention to Jesus at this point, saying, listen to him. He's the one that you should be listening to. Um, and then, if you remember, like, kind of just it, f- everything fades away. And, and the Bible says, and they, all, all they saw was Jesus. Like, the only person they saw was Jesus. And there's, like, this unveiling, like, Christ is the focus. Christ is the one who they see And who they're drawn to, at the end of the experience.
0: Yeah, um, and that's that's the best example, probably in scripture of what we're of what we're talking about. And it's it's a moment of of great clarity. I think about uh, as I was kind of reflecting on this topic and the whole idea of a mountain. In uh, being in Idaho, there were a lot of hikes you could do where you go up like real, really tall mountains. um, You know, ten thousand feet. Or or higher, and you you hike up these mountains, and it's arduous, and it's uh, you have a lot of period of reflection as you're going up because uh, you don't have much else that you can do. You're you're hiking, and it's actually sometimes hard to have a conversation, especially if you're single file going up the mountain with other people because you just can't hear what they're saying. Either they can't hear you. Or you can't hear them. So a lot of it is quiet time, quiet reflection time as you're working up the mountain. And then when you get to the top, it's overwhelming what you see. And it's, it's – I find that it's one of the easiest places to converse with God that I've found for myself anyway because there's this, there's this sense of awe and you're almost – you're just seeing things from a different point of view. Um, and, and hopefully from his point of view,
2: I have a question. Yeah. So you said that it's a lot of work, uh, to get to the top of the mountain, right? And, uh, you have to exert energy to, to get to that pinnacle where you get that new perspective. My question to you is, should we strive after having extreme experiences in prayer?
0: Oh, That's really good. Do you have any thoughts, Austin?
1: Yeah. um, So, actually, I finished not that long ago the book Ascent of Mount Carmel by St. John of the Cross, where, uh, I mean, the book is kind of about what you're talking about, Ken. It's called Ascent of the Mountain, you know, Ascent of Mount Carmel. And same kind of idea. So to answer the question how St. John of the Cross would respond to that is um, kind of a yes and no, that uh, you want to strive after, after God. So he's the end, right? But you can have this experience of God, which is kind of the mountaintop experience. And this is evidenced in, again, the story of the transfiguration, that they go up and there's this, they're with God the whole time, right? They're walking with him, going up. um, They're with him. He's always with them. And then they go up and they have this beautiful experience of God. Okay. And then what happens when Peter tries to hold on to that moment? It changes. It changes. So he's he says let's build a tent and let's keep let's keep this stuff here let's you guys stay here let's all hang out this is beautiful. So as soon as we as soon as we wrap our hands around the experience and we hold on to that rather than God then we get ourselves in trouble. When we pursue that that amazing experience of God and of course God clarifies this a little bit for them although I don't think they're realizing it at the time, but we can see it in scripture where Peter's like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love you, Jesus. Let's let's all hang out, you know, and ha- have a tent party." And then uh and then the two disappear and then God's voice just kind of this commanding voice comes down and takes over everything and says, "This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased." Basically redirecting Peter and saying, "Stop thinking about this experience and look at my son. Look at my son." And I think that's really um, kind of what it's about. So that, that's a long way of answering Anthony the question of should we per- be pursuing those experiences? No, they're gifts. You know, so you don't pursue the gift, you pursue the giver.
0: No, I think that's, uh, well, and it just bringing it back to sort of the actual Experience of hiking up a mountain and then being on top of the mountain. Like, there is this desire when you're up there to capture it, right? And so you take these pictures and now with our fancy smartphones, we can do panoramic view. And you do that, but when you, really, when you get home and you upload those to your computer, it's not the same. It's not what you experienced. It's this sort of pieced together um, feel to it.
2: But they're forever on Instagram, Ken. (laughs) And that's all that matters.
0: Well, and that's it. And then you know, people throw up these different filters to try to really to try to make the experience again, and, and you can't. Like if you're mm. if you're up there, and you you just have to sort of see, enjoy, appreciate, and then and then you go down the mountain again. And the reality is, a lot of times what I what I reflect on as I'm as I'm hiking after something so beautiful as that is that God. God is the source of all of it, right? Like the beauty that I see on top of the mountain is from God and he created it for me to appreciate and to enjoy, not to hold on to, not to grasp, but to Mm -hmm. enjoy, but it's from him. And so the real beauty, the real truth that I want to pursue, the real, um, experience is God himself.
2: And, and I think that's the heart of it because when we're talking about all this, it's like, do we love God for his benefits and for the creations that, that bring us joy and, like, pleasure and, and like, all this good stuff, right? These are good things. Uh, but do we love those things and cling on to them, or do we, like, turn to the Lord himself? Loving God for his own sake is one of the hardest things. And it's it's part of the ascent of Mount Carmel, like what Austin was talking about.
0: Right. And I don't know, Austin, I haven't read Ascent to Mount Carmel, but would, would St. John of the Cross say that we're given... Those kind of experiences, in order to help our relationship grow with God, but not to replace our relationship with God. I mean, would he? How would he phrase that or or talk about that?
1: That's a great question. Um, how do I give a short answer to that? So, <laughs> the book. Let me just start by this. A sin of Mount Carmel is not an easy read. It's small. I got it for Christmas. Uh, not this past Christmas, like a year and a half ago, and I. I started reading it, I told Father John David, hey, I got this book, and he says, you'll be reading that the rest of your life. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm a fast reader, this is a small book. It took me a year and a half to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and do you get it? it? Well, that's part of the problem, is that you don't, like, you start reading it, and it's like, I don't understand what the heck he's talking about. You have to practice it, and then it starts to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to keep going. So um, the question that you raise is, why, why, do, why would God give us these experiences? And in short, um, both, Let's see, Catherine of Siena talks about this, Teresa of Avila talks about this, and John of the Cross do, and I think my favorite explanation of the three of them, and I can't remember exactly which one says it, but basically, they're love games by God, right? Mm. He gives us these experiences, and it's the lover pursuing us, the beloved. You know, he made us, and he loves us, and so he pursues us, and so he gives us these experiences and some of them are just just a sheer expression of his love, you know. Like you're you're in prayer, and maybe you just get overwhelmed um, by his goodness. You're thinking about him, and you just get overwhelmed. I mean, sometimes people even tear up. Um, and and that that's a gift from God, and he's basically saying, "I want you closer." Now, what John the Cross says, and he's a little bit different than Teresa of Avila, um, but what he would say uh, is that. You, you reject it after that happens, um, which is kind of surprising. That surprised me when I read that. Yeah, But he says you reject it because the grace that you needed, uh, you received in the moment of that experience. So the grace that Peter, James, and John needed at the top of the mountain, they received in experiencing God. But then after that, you let go of it. You don't need to hold on to it.
2: And that's in line with a lot of the interpretations I've heard about transfiguration is that in that moment, the the disciples that witnessed these amazing things received in that moment, uh, the strength that they will need. Even if, even if most of them, except for John ran away at the moment of the crucifixion, the passion, um, of Jesus, like they received the strength, like, okay, we're going to see our friend go to his death and die on a cross in the most humiliating way. Uh, but, we know that there's more to the story. We know that he is actually the beloved son of God.
1: And I think that that, that's evidenced again in Scripture that who are the three that he takes up with him to the mountaintop, Peter, James, and John? Who are the three that go into the garden only a stone's throw away from Christ in the agony in the garden? Peter, James, and John. You know, so they they were given the grace, I think, and— at, the, at that transfiguration, to be brought in ever closer to God, to see his glory and his wonder, so that they could be close to him in his sorrow and in his passion. Because uh, ultimately, that's where God wants all of us, is to be at the foot of the cross with him.
0: Right, because it's through the cross that we enter into that glory. And that's a huge part of that, is that it, the transfiguration experience... They had to come back down, right? Peter says, "I want to let's let's set up some tents, let's put booths together, let's <laughs> let's stay here, right? We've the glory is here, and and it's it's God's teaching them no, not yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like first you have to experience the passion and the death um, in right. order to in order to enter into the glory."
2: and I would go even further. Like we love the mountaintop experiences. We love the good feeling during prayer. And it's like, Whoa, God, you're real. You're awesome. Like you're so close to me. I love this. Let's keep this going. Um, but, but, um, sometimes even the dryness in our prayer, even like the lack of feeling the, the emptiness, um, of just sitting there in prayer and not, not really getting anything. Um, that can also be a gift from God. Um, to enter Absolutely. more deeply, to enter more deeply into the reality that like these consolations are good, they're a gift, they're wonderful, they're beautiful. We should we should appreciate and and thank God for them. Letting them go um, to enter into that that dryness, that emptiness of just receiving God Himself, that, that He's enough. You know that He's always enough, even if we don't feel a thing.
0: Right, and that's something that I, I try to when I assist in leading retreats, what I try to remind the retreatants about is you've had this wonderful experience and encounter with Christ and you're, you're now coming, you know, we're, we're making the 10 hour, 12 hour trip back from Steubenville, Atlanta, you know, from Georgia. And it's, it's don't like you're coming off the mountain, you're coming down off the mountain. You had the experience and, and the next few days might seem rather dull because of what you got to experience. And uh, shout out to my, to my friend, Andrew McCarthy, he brought up to the youth on our way back this time. He said, understand that you're, you're not returning from an experience back into reality. You were in reality and you're bringing that back into the, into the day to day life. Wow. That's powerful. Right. And so, and so any of those experiences, I think that while we don't want to hold on or grasp onto them, we want to bring that that reality into the way we live.
1: So what about folks who may be listening to this and going, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. mountaintop experience, <laughs> yeah. experiences of God. I, I've not ever experienced anything like that. This is all foreign language to me that we're talking about. What words might we have for somebody like that?
0: I, again, I think we don't have to, it doesn't have to be this incredible vision or experience in prayer per se. I think we can experience this kind of thing um, merely through a walk in nature, a beautiful piece of art. I mean, that, that sense of, of clarity and that there's something more than what we encounter day to day. Like there's something more than the emails that I receive, than the to-do list that I have, than, you know, the waking up and, and going to bed. And there, there's something more going on than just the material world that I see. And, and I think that can be we, – we can be um, alivened in that experience just from a beautiful piece of music, uh, a beautiful piece of art, a movie, right? I mean sometimes we go to a movie and it's so moving that we cry at the end of it, right? And that experience of there's – this is just a story about someone's life but there's something that it touched that was deeper. There's that deeper – there's the spiritual things in and through the ordinary,
2: I'm a uh, that's awesome. Uh, and it reminds me of uh, I'm, I'm rereading the the Lord of the Rings here and there. Uh, I'm, I'm preparing some some stuff for a, a future thing that maybe we'll talk about on the podcast later. Um, but I'm rereading the Fellowship of the Ring. and Gandalf, when he leaves Bag End, like he, he's kind of starting to suspect that the ring is something worse than it actually is. And so he tells Frodo, look for me, look for me, look out for me, especially at the most unlikely times. Look out for me, especially at the most mm-hmm. unlikely times. And I think that that could be a way to, to open ourselves up to these mountaintop experiences because we think, oh, well, we have to go on this incredible retreat. We have to go to this amazing pilgrimage location. We have to go here, there, wherever, where, everywhere. Well, Jesus also said that we're going to worship in spirit and truth everywhere. So, like, remembering that we can experience like amazing realities about God in our ordinary life in just day-to-day things when we're doing laundry or whatever, um, going to the grocery store and just seeing someone there and just opening ourselves up to the fact that God is present. I think
1: an important thing also that we have to keep in mind too is that we're not going to be able to see. Um, Some of the most common and amazing miracles are Jesus uh, giving sight to the blind in the Gospels. He does it time and time again. And we really, God is constantly working in our lives. He's always present, and he always wants to pull us deeper into him and reveal himself to us in a wide variety of ways, whether it's a mountaintop experience that just blows your mind away or a very small way, like we were just talking about. But it's hard to actually see those until we commit to regular prayer, I think, because that relationship has to be built God has to start pulling back our blindness to, as we've been talking about in this podcast, to the reality of Him. You know, not to, not to just our earthly existence, but to actually Him, the spiritual reality, which is more real than anything else because it's going to be forever, you know, whereas this world passes away. And we don't actually experience it until we get on our knees um, and we start building the habit of prayer. And that habit of prayer turns into a habit of virtue, and that habit of virtue turns into a habit of closeness and union with Christ. When you start to experience it over and over and over again,
0: yeah, absolutely, it's developing that that awareness of God in your life, in in just even the day to day things. Where instead of uh, I can think of times where I've where I've met people sort of at random in a store and had an, a really powerful conversation with them or just a brief encounter and then walking away from it thinking, what What was that? Like there was something different about that, and and I wasn't expecting that today, right? But the more that we're spiritually aware, the more that when those things happen, we're actually – in that moment knowing that God is encountering us through that person or through that experience rather than having to ask the question later, but we're kind of developing that, that awareness in that moment.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, as we kind of roll to a close here, um, you know, all of these moments, all these beautiful experiences of God in our present reality uh, is geared towards heaven and and heaven is like the ultimate mountaintop experience. And I love C.S. Lewis's image for it. And, Chronicles of Narnia, like Aslan's country, is just this gigantic mountain. Uh, it's and it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, and, and and if just if our goal is heaven, and heaven is is union with God, then the prayer that we do every day, the daily prayer, is that practice and is that is that ascent to the top of the mountain.
1: Amen, Ken. Got so it. that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. So if, if if any of you are interested in just developing that prayer life and wanting to go a little bit deeper, or or maybe open yourself up more to that spiritual awareness, there are, there are so many opportunities here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel through the various retreats and conferences that we that we do here, and then that we attend that the diocese runs, as well as vocation retreats, and just there's just a lot happening in this diocese that can really that can really help and assist that growth, and even here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, so many opportunities for for retreat experiences.
1: And I just want to bring just a little bit of clarification to something that was said earlier. Ken said in Idaho, and we are not in Idaho. He was talking about <laughs> an experience of his last job. We were yes. at, so I don't know where you're, you are listening to this podcast. We're in we're in Virginia in the Richmond Diocese, so correct. Just a little clarification. Yes.
0: at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish. So shout out to Idaho. <laughs> That's right. Um, with that, uh, till next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray Pray for us. us.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call of the new evangelization and sharing the love of Christ with you. God bless you.